welcome to the Healthy Gospel Church podcast, a podcast where we explore all aspects of church life while also shining a spotlight on good practice in your local church. My name is David Meredith, I'm the Mission Director for the Free Church of Scotland based in Edinburgh and I'll be your host. If you like what you hear, then please like, share and subscribe. Spread the news. Very warm welcome to today's podcast, and my guest is an old friend, Robert Cunningham. Uh, Robert is also a good friend of the Free Church of Scotland. He has preached in many of our congregations. He's preached, of course, in Smithton, uh, LCPC down in London, and Cumbernauld. He's had a really great relationship with Cumbernauld. Previously, Minister of Tate's Creek Presbyterian Church in Lexington, Kentucky. Again, many of us have a connection with that church through John Sertel from Memphis, who uh, preceded Robert there. Robert worked with John, and then Robert took over as senior pastor. Robert, very welcome, warm welcome to Scotland. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I love my free church friends. And they and they love you. When were you last back in the old country of Scotland? Scotland, it's been a few years. I, I don't I don't know if I've been in Scotland since all things COVID. I I, I do now most of my work. I, I don't know if you know I'm doing my PhD through the University of Leicester um over there in the United Kingdom. And so most of my visits now, I fly into London and um visit with, of course, my good friend Andy Longwe, who's there and and um and London City Press, and then take the train up to Leicester. So I can't remember the last time I got up to Scotland. I think it's been a couple of years. Okay, that's just not good enough. Next time you're over, you'll have to come I to know. Scotland. Yes, <laughs> I know. I know. I like now I'm, I'm, to be to be fair, I like Scotland a lot more. Uh, than than the London area. I I love getting up there, and I have dear friends up there. Great. What's your PhD subject? I am researching. I'm studying under uh, a historian there, uh, Dr. John Coffey. He's the one who he supervised Kevin DeYoung's uh, research, and I'm studying with him as well. And I'm I'm researching a founding father, an American founding father. Uh, that has never been researched is a guy by the name of Elias Boudinot, who was uh, interesting from the pre- Presbyterian perspective. He was a uh, committed uh, Presbyterian, um, Reformed faith, um, and was deeply influential in um, America's founding era. And I'm kind of using him not just to tell his story, because honestly, he's never been researched. So I'm telling his story, but I'm using it to discuss, you know, uh, the religious underpinnings, not just religious underpinnings, but the reformed evangelical um, influences on the founding era, his anti-slavery uh, movements. He's probably the closest thing we have to a Wilberforce, and he's never, you know, his story's never been told. So I'm I'm using his story to go off into other areas of research around the founding era. Yeah, that I mean, Kevin's PhD, of course, was in John Witherspoon, so there's yeah. parallels there. Would you say that a large proportion of the founding fathers were Christians? You know, um, it's tough to tell. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of popular Christian books that kind of go into telling the story of America's founding with an agenda to kind of prove that America was born as a Christian nation. And I'm sure you all over there are familiar with a lot of the Christian nationalism stuff going on over here. 
And so there's a lot of really poor research. And and because the, the reality of it is any founding father, even someone like a Jefferson, who was a committed deist and, and secular enlightenment, even those guys, you're going to be able to pull quotes because to be a politician in that era, you at least had to nod towards Christianity. So I think it's safe to say that among um on a grassroots level christianity was a de- christian america was a devoutly christian nation so to speak when it comes to the cultural elites in the founding era um those who really had power um it's probably not as many as as people have argued um now i will say that it's more than people have argued and and when you get to that second tier of founding fathers when you get out of you know washington Adams, Jefferson, Hamilton, those guys, and you get into the second tier founders like Elias Boudinot, who I'm studying, then you absolutely do get some folks who um, who view their political work and public work as a, a service to God and are motivated by the Christian faith, John Jay, folks like that. So it's definitely there. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, we may, we may touch on that later, some elements yeah, sure. of that. So you were a senior pastor at Tate's Creek Presbyterian. You had a great ministry there, very happy ministry. Yeah. You've now moved on. You are CEO of Christ for Kentucky. How did that come about, and how do you feel about the move away from the pulpit into the public square? Yeah, Boy, it, it was a crazy story, and I'll go quick because you really we don't have time for for me to unpack. It was it was a six to nine month agonizing journey. Long story short, um, I was asked to consider another call. I won't I won't use the name of the church just out of respect for them, but I was asked to consider moving from Kentucky to take on another calling in another church, and and um, it was a weighty invitation. Um, it, it, it was it was a very it's a very significant uh, not just church but really Christian institution in the PCA but also broad evangelicalism in the reform world and I um, I almost moved I almost moved my family um, out of Kentucky and in the very last minute in fact I had told our session that I was resigning and I was going to be taking this other calling and in the last minute. Um, I didn't, I wouldn't say I got cold feet, but I, I just could not die to the dream. I'm born and raised in Kentucky. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I you, you, you've been over here enough to know the dynamics that, you know, in, in, in America, sometimes our states take on more of a cultural identity and love than even sure. our nation. And so I, I just love Kentucky. I'm born and raised. It's all I've ever known. Um, I'm connected throughout the state. I've been, you know, I've been placed in uh, positions of leadership throughout our state, and and I was able to do so much for the Lord here in the state, and I was walking away from that, and I was convinced that the time had come for me to step away from Tate's Creek for the simple fact that my job description continued to change, to, and every change was more into kind of broader public leadership within our state. And I was really coming alive in those roles, and I just really felt in my heart that Tate's Creek needed a more conventional pastor to shepherd that flock who wasn't out there dreaming about bigger, uh, not bigger, but um, broader uh, concerns and and whatnot. And so I kind of just, in the last minute, the Lord, through my wife, honestly, said, 
you know, spoke to me in, in the sense of I had this just undeniable desire to say, what if I were to form um, a new organization under the authority of the PCA? So I'm still a teaching elder in the PCA. Yeah. I'm, I'm under the authority of their court structures and whatnot. So um, I kind of the language we use here is a minister out of bounds, which is probably unfortunate language. I don't know where, where they got that, but... Um, but but what if I what if I stayed ordained in the PCA but formed an organization that is devoted to kind of broader Christian work within our state? And then I just kind of by faith stepped out into it and the Lord's blessed it. Great. Well, it's good to hear that. I mean, sometimes the decisions we make are strange, but uh is it Garth Brooks? I thank the Lord for unanswered <laughs> prayers. You know, yeah. some, sometimes it's a bit of theology. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's a great segue. You know, the Bluegrass State, the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Yep. It is uh, an absolutely beautiful state. Let's talk a little bit. We, we've got to talk, Robert, about what's going on at Asbury University. As many of our listeners will know, not everybody, that last Wednesday, at a college, just an ordinary college service at Asbury University. When when the service ended, about a hundred of the students just remained behind and, and fell before God, <clears throat> praying and, and repenting. And there has been a a service, if you like, a worship service nonstop yeah. since last Wednesday. Some right. folk are calling it an awakening, some folk are calling yeah. it a revival, some folk are calling it a touching. Um yep. Robert very, uh, have you visited Asbury in the last yes, week? Yes, yes. First of all, can you just sketch, give us a picture of what Asbury University is, and can you yeah. just give us a word picture of the scene? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Asbury is, um, well, there's Asbury University and there's Asbury Seminary. My wife actually graduated from the seminary with her degree in counseling. Um, it is in the Wesleyan tradition. Um so, you know, loosely connected to the Methodist Church, but um, definitely Wesleyan in its in its theology and and practices. Um, but if you're familiar with what's going on within the Methodist Church over here in the states, um, there's there's certainly been a drift um, toward the more progressive uh, strand of, of of Christianity. That is not Asbury. Asbury is a, 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 we, we lock arms with Asbury. Um, and of course, when it comes to soteriology, we have our differences, but they are firmly evangelical, believe in the, uh, authority of the Bible, um, all the, all the historic, uh, tenets of the faith. Uh, they are, they are wonderful, wonderful school, um, I know I know the leadership over there. Um, many of the students at Asbury actually come to Tate's Creek. How far uh, is it from Lexington? Uh, you know, on a Sunday morning to come to church, you could probably get here in 20 minutes, maybe even less. On a normal day, 25 minutes. Uh, it's right down the road. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it, it's a very, very significant university and seminary in the States, historically speaking, and to this day. Um, it, when it comes to the evangelical faith in America, Asbury is is a really, really important um institution. So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Asbury. I love them. I love those folks. Uh, our one of our elders at, on our session is an administrator at the university. Um so so we're very, we're very tied in with those folks. Okay, so you you as we say over here popped in for a visit. Can you tell yep. us what you found? 
Yeah. Um, and and I'll just talk and, and Dave, feel free to cut me off and interrupt me if you want to go deeper onto anything. So basically what happened was, well, it's actually a funny story. I was actually supposed to be at that um, chapel service that led to this. So we're, we're as as we're recording this, I know it'll get released later. We're, we're really right at the week mark. Um, and I was supposed to be at that chapel service. I was invited to come uh, by the guy who ended up speaking. His guy, my name is Zach, and he's a wonderful guy. And I just, I couldn't work it out. I was scheduled to be on campus and I ended up not being able to come and I didn't show up and revival breaks out. So I don't know what that means about me. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, like you said, basically Zach preached, it was a very routine, normal chapel service. Zach preached on, I believe, Romans 12 and kind of the marks of what Christian love looks like. And he and he kind of left them with this admonition that he said, I hope this passage lands on you like an itchy sweater where you just can't really do anything until you deal with it. And um, and they did. They, they lingered and dealt with um, God's love for them and the command to love others in that way. And it just kept going. And then, you know, it went through the night, um, all through the night. And then the next morning on Thursday, I start, you know, I start getting texts and messages on social media from folks saying, hey, what's going on in Asbury? Apparently they stayed overnight and people are kind of flooding to the chapel. And um, and I think, David, I think the reason why probably I was getting a lot of questions, um, certainly from um, folks in the Reformed world, but even folks over, over in your world were reaching out saying what's going on is because I, I do think they were wanting to hear from someone who's an ordained PCA minister who values theological precision and wouldn't call me a skeptic of revival, but, but thoughtful when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, you'd give an objective they, view yeah, of what's yeah. happening with these crazy Arminians over in Asbury, yeah. <laughs> right, so they they want to know, hey, what's what's the resident reform Calvinist curmudgeon yeah. think about yeah. this? Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I didn't feel qualified to speak on it if I didn't visit it. And plus, uh, quite honestly, I, I didn't want to visit it just analytically. I wanted to go and, and experience it for myself. I brought my whole family. I wanted my, I have four sons. I wanted them to experience it. So we went to worship on Sunday and then after worship, got in our car and took a beautiful drive through the bluegrass to Asbury. And I will be honest, I I don't know why I would say I was shocked, but I was um, I was shocked by um, what I witnessed and what I experienced. It was it, it to me viewing it through a biblical lens felt very legitimate, very powerful. It did not when you think when you think of all the stereotypes and problematic natures of revivalism. None of that was taking place, um, and I mean, I can go into the details. I, I what happened was I the reason why I think a lot of people reached out to me is I I typed out my thoughts on Twitter, and that ended up going viral, yeah. and so and so then a lot of people did. But I basically just went on Twitter and said, "Hey, listen, this is what I observed. Here's why I think something is happening here that's very legitimate and powerful and beautiful." And um, and then it just kind of took off from there. Um, so, it, so we, like, it, it wasn't Toronto. It wasn't Todd Bentley. It was of a different order. Oh no, 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 none of that. So, so I'll I'll briefly share what I because I ended up deleting that Twitter thread for a variety of reasons. But um, I'll briefly share what I what I said what I said there. And it was here's here's what stuck out to me. 
Um, first was just kind of the unplanned nature of it. Like it just, it wasn't, you know, Americans, um, uh, Americans are notorious for, for hosting revival services yeah. where it's like, okay, we're going to meet Friday night at seven o'clock for the spirit to show up and, and revive us. It was, it wasn't like that. And it wasn't even like kind of some of the big conferences that we host that, um, we get, you know, you know, eloquent speakers and talented musicians and big emotions. It was none of that. It was unplanned chapel service that just kind of emerged. And that kind of fit the nature of John 3. The spirit um, blows like the wind. You don't know where it's going. You don't know where it's coming from. You can't control the sovereign spirit of God. Um, there was a weightiness that I didn't anticipate. It was very solemn. Um, I, I did feel like, man, this is this feels... Holy reverence. These were serious people gathered oh, together. Yeah. Serious. There was a serious reverence. I mean, you know, typically when you come to a revival thing, a, a, a highly emotional kind of uh, charismatic thing, you know, you just come in and it's free. like we were nervous when we walked in to even find our seats because we were felt like we were disrupting the holiness of the moment. Yeah. Um, but that, but, but that kind of fear of the Lord was, Coupled and that that fit with when God does show up in the scriptures, it's 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 not let's have a party, it's take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. But his first words when he does show up and and people freak out is fear not. And I felt that too. I felt this 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 tension of fear, but real joy in the presence of the Lord. Um, scripture, prayer. Um, and most of all, Jesus was at the center of it all. I mean, you know, um, there was this moment where they just had Asbury students come up and they said, listen, we don't want you to um, speak from your heart kind yeah. of language. It was we want you to come and read a passage that that has has served as kind of a life, life verse to you. And students would just come up and just read Holy Scripture and they would say, this is the word of the Lord. And then everybody would respond, we believe it. And it was just one passage after another. There was prayer everywhere taking place. And most of all, Christ was exalted. Um, you know, I tell people the the truest sign of of a spirit awakening is that it's all about Jesus. The, 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 the spirit, you know, John 16, the spirit loves to make Jesus famous. Yep. Yeah. And so if you're at a place where it's all about the spirit and experiencing the spirit and it's spirit, spirit, spirit. That actually is a is is not what the business of the spirit is all about. The business of the spirit is to make Jesus famous. That was taking place. There was an orderliness to it. Um, I think if you look at you know Paul's command in First Corinthians fourteen, um, I, I think I think it fits that. There there certainly was an openness that in my tradition that's that's that it, you know we we follow uh, we follow a. Uh, a liturgy, a, a, a fairly high liturgy at, at Tate's Creek. And, and, you know, it wasn't a liturgical order thing going on, but um, it was definitely orderly. And the leadership was was there making sure that it was done in an orderly fashion, non-chaotic kind of stuff. But I, I would say most of all, just the conviction, the repentance that was taking place, um, it, it, you know, revival, if you want to use that word, and they actually don't want to use that word. I'll, I'll get to that if you want to, but revival is not about a sensation. It's about transformation. And that was taking place. We had one teenager from our church that visited and her takeaway was, I have never seen 
so much conviction of sin in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the students at Asbury were just dealing with their sin. And 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 the nominal were coming awake and the unconverted were were being converted. So I just left, whoa, this yep. That, this that was good. that was oh, you know, keep going, but that's one of the questions that a lot of folk are asking here. Is there are there stories of people being converted? You know, that's one of the signs of, of revival. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. And I would say, I would say most of all, what's happening here, uh, David, is that, um, you know, I, I do have concerns. I, well, I shouldn't say I have concerns because I do know the folks in leadership there. And I, I I have talked at length with them about measures they're taking to not allow this to be co-opted by folks coming in. But right, you know, right now, our whole Christians from all over the country are flooding. OK, is it a traffic jam? Um, I mean, if you'd go, yeah, buses and, you know, it, right now, as, at the time of this recording, that chapel's filled out. They, they're they using another chapel. Basically, three chapels are full, and now they're converting one of the local churches to it. So it's just getting more and more. And if it was just, you know, Christians from around the country coming to town to see get the show, to see the show, I would be like, uh. But what's fascinating is not only are we seeing conversions, but among the local students, like where this is taking place. So one uh, one quick anecdote, uh, a student that, that goes to Asbury is not a Christian, and I was talking to a person who who has loved this this friend and uh, ministered to this friend, shared, shared the gospel with this friend, prayed for him, and he was telling me, I, I was looking out and I saw him in the middle of it, worshiping. And I went up to him and I said, hey, what's going on? And he said, I don't know what's going on, but I know I want to know God. I don't even know where to start, but I want to know God. So stories like that are happening, you know, so all over. Is Wilmer, Kentucky, is it largely a college town? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's an interesting subculture unto itself because basically it, it's, it's just Asbury Seminary and Asbury College. And because of that, it's, Basically, it's joked about in Kentucky as kind of a, a just a Christian town. I mean, you know, the local coffee stores are all named after you know Bible passages and people, and and it just it just it's a Christian town. And and I don't know if you know the history there, but something like this happened in 1970, and there have been people in that town praying for this again for decades. Okay. Um, and so and and that's a that's a part of the Wesleyan tradition. You know, they very much are constantly praying for revival. Um, but and- it's not, I mean, a lot of folk talk about, you know, Charles Finney and Finneyism. Yeah. Uh, and obviously he was tangentially in the Wesleyan holiness tradition. Yeah. But, but what you're saying is this is not textbook Finney, you know. At, no, At no. the beginning of that service on Wednesday, <clears throat> when the guy, you know, did the call yeah. to worship, he did not know that that was not going to end. No, no, this is not um, Second Great Awakening stuff, which has its origins in this region of the country as well. Kentucky was at the forefront of that. So this is this is not I, I, I can say now. Now, part of the reasons why I, I'm a little hesitant with uh, 
with what I said on Twitter and and these conversations is because I do feel like in some ways I'm offering a, a it feels a little bit like COVID where you're offering perspectives and then you regret that a month later because it's changed so much, you know. So I don't know what will come of this, but I can tell you in its origins what's going on right now. I, and I was talking to the leadership team yesterday. Um, it is not emotional um, manipulation or any of that. It is it is everything I just said. In fact, the leaders on the ground, again, one of them is, is an elder at our church, a PCA guy. The leaders on the ground that's in this kind of core team that's trying to steward this well, they would even say, we're not comfortable with the language revival. We don't like using that word. Um, that they, um, I think I love the way they said it. They said, we, we don't want to define this. We want to let God define it. They're, they're coming back to John nine where, uh, you know, the blind man is healed and it turns into this inquisition and they're like, and they're trying to get to the bottom of this. What happened? Who is this man that healed you? Did he commit? And and he just kind of throws up his hand and says, listen, I don't know, but I was blind and now I see. Okay. And that's kind of the posture that they're taking. We're not necessarily sure what God's doing here. We're just yeah. trying to screw it well. And now, are the students being looked after by a wise leadership? Because, you know, I'm imagining this is the first kind of almost awakening from in a mainstream yeah. denomination. We're not talking about, you know, Bethel or, you know, yeah, edgy yeah. stuff. We're talking about mainstream people that we would yeah. happily work with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it could be a target for all sorts of crazies flying in from all over the world. Yes. But you, you're saying that the local leaderships, top of it, looking after the students, yep. trying to give some decency yeah, so, and order as much as they can within. As much the, as they can, yeah. So, so what happened was when it when it became apparent that something's happening here that's unusual. This. This core leadership team, and 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 on that you've got um, you've got scholars, you've got pastors, you've got administrators. Um, I mean, people I really trust. The, the one of the one of the scholars there did his PhD on revivals, and he and he's a legitimate thinker. Um, but but um, they basically got the whiteboard out, and they said, "All right." We have got to make sure that we do this well. So they formed a team that their job is just to ceaselessly pray in rotation. They formed a logistics team to make sure that the logistics are in order. They formed a hospitality team. You walk into the chapel, um, not in the chapel itself, but kind of in the atrium there. Uh, there's pizza, there's bottled waters, you know, they're they're really hospitable. And and then a part of that is absolutely they are aware that um, there are people coming to to Asbury with ulterior motives, um, seeking that that maybe want to co-opt this or exploit this for their own platforms and movements, and and they have somebody on the ground uh, to to honestly to turn those folks away. Um, I was talking to the guy and I said, "So you're kind of the revival." Uh, uh, bully, you're the one, you know, what you're, we call you're the, the bouncer, the guy that, yeah, the bouncer. That was the word I was looking for, the bouncer. You're the bouncer. And he laughed and he said, No, don't, don't talk about in that language. Although I suppose I just did. But he, he's like, No, that's not it. But yes, like I, there has been, and I, I won't use names, but there have been some folks that have showed up that he has had to sit down with and say, Hey, um, we, we appreciate, we would appreciate if, if you would not 
participate and lead. Now, there's been some others that have come, uh, some well-known Christian, you know, quote unquote celebrity folks that you wouldn't know have come because they they have truly come just to sit and participate in the worship. Um, but they, yeah, they they have people on the ground um, that are very aware of that and are and are trying their best to just kind of steward this and stay humble. Um, they they continually come back to a radical uh, humility and hunger. Um, that's those those lines that they're using. They 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 want to stay humble. They're they're they direct quote. We are so scared that this is going to be ruined by pride by the pride of man. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, talking generally, Robert, let's, let's between the two of us come up with some marks of revival, not just talking about Asbury. So you've touched on some of them: a Christ-centeredness, yeah, a solemnity, the effects of the movement. Let's get away yeah. from the R word: the effects of the movement slowly moving out into the wider community. Yeah. A- any other marks of general revival that you can think of? Yeah, so everything we just touched on right there would say, okay, that's the marks of, you can call it an awakening, you can call it the Lord has visited us in a unique way, however you want, whatever language you want us to do. You can't call it revival until decade. I had this conversation with them. I said, I said, in my estimation, um, revivals are not measured in days, but decades. Mm-hmm. Um, that that you can't you can't when you talk about the notion of revival, it's not done with foresight, but in hindsight. And I and so um, I actually just am recorded my own podcast, sharing some of some of my thoughts. Um, and I just said, you know, honestly. Uh, the reason why I'm getting away from the word revival, and they would agree, the leadership would agree with me on this. The reason why I'm getting away from that is that's not going to be determined in 2023. That would be determined in 2033, 2043, or dare I say, 3023, when our children's children's children are reaping the harvest of something that changed lives, that uh, that that bled out to um, the vulnerable, the poor, that changed the social moral fabric of society. I mean that that's that's the mark. Yeah, the because you know if you look at the history of revivals, you can look at the Welsh revivals. Yeah, they had an effect on the coal miners. They had effect on the socioeconomic situation. Exactly. Wesley exactly. Whitfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, historians argue that if it wasn't for Wesley and Whitfield, uh, England would have been, the UK would have been destroyed socially. Uh, yeah. You know, the effects of the French Revolution were, were dissipated. So, <laughs> excuse me, there's wide socioeconomic uh, implications. And even, you know, the last revival, big revival in Scotland was, was in the island of Lewis, 1950s. Now, there were elements of that that were not really happy, elements that didn't last. Right. Uh, revival in the 30s, elements that, that didn't last. So that is... Uh, so one Facebook critic of mine said, oh, this is just mass hysteria. You were yeah. there? Is it yeah. mass hysteria? No, it's not. It's not. What I have discovered, what I keep telling people, and part of the reason why I, dele- I deleted uh, my thoughts on Twitter that went viral is because what is what is happening on social media 
what is the nature of this on social media is completely different than what's on the ground. That's good. Now again, good, yeah. I, we are we are we are recording this a week after, so I want to preface those thoughts. I don't know what will come of it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. You know, I don't know what what this means in the age of social media with people flocking here. But but I didn't. I I did not in any way witness hysteria. Okay. I witnessed so, God-fearing yeah. repentance. That's a, a great point. I mean, listeners, we are recording this on Wednesday the fifteenth. God willing, it will go out next Monday. Yeah, a lot, a lot can happen, but yeah. we really do appreciate. Um, I think because we've had such a dry season that yeah. people want it, you know, that's, ge- folks that's genuinely that's want that's it. And there's a good element and there's a bad element in that, isn't there? Yeah. 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 I, I, I think the desire, especially in, um, in a world like you inhabit, um, you know, people try to draw these comparisons between America and in the United Kingdom. And if you've been to both of those worlds, as you have a bunch, you realize, no, they're, they're <laughs> you, you know, we like to speak of ourselves. You know, we, we, we talk of post-Christian society and secularity and all that stuff. And there's definitely elements of truth to what we're facing here, but you are living in, in in dry land in a way that we are not. And so, what I have discovered from friends over there reaching out to me is this um, is this hope, hopefulness. I think the reason why they want me to legitimize it so much is because they are longing for could this happen here? Yes, could this happen here? And I think there, I love what you said. There's something beautiful and noble about that. But the reality of it is um, the church has endured for millenniums, not on revivals, but on mundane faithfulness of exiles. And um, go ahead. I I, I was going to... You know, say something here. I don't know if you agree with it. I think in a revival or an awakening, we do not see anything different that we often see in a normal Sunday. What we do see is a multiplication of it. So when I was senior pastor up in Inverness, there were times where there was a touch of what we're seeing in Asbury. Yep. You know, a touch of weightiness, sense of God, Jesus-centeredness. But in an awakening, it's multiplied. Do, do you have a perspective on that? Yes, you're, 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 uh, you know, the. I don't know if you're familiar with Richard Lovelace's work on this and the dynamic spiritual life, but that's what he. That's basically. Oh, there you go. I'm okay. holding up the book, so Richard. Yeah, right, right, right. So, so that's basically his thesis. There's nothing new in revival. Um, it's 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 the same elements that we in the Reformed faith cherish. You know. The, uh, the trembling before the holiness of God, repenting and receiving the grace of God, you know, the stuff that we champion day in and day out, it's it's that what happens is, is that is magnified on a greater scale. So so my experience, so to your point, I went to church on Sunday and and our church service felt very much like I experienced after going to church, after church going to Asbury. I I I trembled in worship. I wept over the good news that my sins were forgiven. I, I'm not just saying that. I mean yeah. that. I, I I cried in our closing hymn over my forgiveness of sins. And then I went to Asbury and I, and I experienced something similar. And I I think your point is good. It's interesting. I uh, You know Mark Randall, right? Our associate yeah. pastor. Yeah. 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 I called Mark 
uh, I think it was a couple of days ago, and I said, hey, have you been down to Asbury yet? And he said, no, nah, I haven't made it. He said, you know, I went to church on Sunday, and uh, I heard the word preached. I confessed my sins. I took communion. I feel revived. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. Yeah, he's like, my soul's revived. I'm ready to go again. I had the Lord's day, and I'm ready to go for another week. And so I do think I do think it's important for us to not, and especially when I say us, I'm thinking more Americans, and it may translate to your context, but I think we are addicted in America. We are addicted to the mountaintop. Wow, and, great um, point. Same here, absolutely. And 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 we just, you know, we are we that that the the Mount of Transfiguration that that notion of Peter saying let's 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 camp out here and Jesus, and Jesus says, no. says nah we've got to get no, down no, no, here no 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 and he says we're going down because I have to die yeah and 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 that idea of guys we can't stay on the mountain we got to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. In in the days that aren't revival, so to speak, um, and and walking that that cruciform path, I am far more impressed by the silver-haired saint who's been walking with Jesus for fifty years and has had every reason to abandon the faith, but has held fast to Jesus. That is as remarkable to me as what I witnessed at Asbury. Yeah, I mean, when I go back to my old church, I served it for 31, I've been away for six years. When I go back, one of the things that fills me with joy is people who weren't high flyers, who weren't big names, but they're still there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're they're just still there. Blessing us, you know. uh, And and, I, I think we need to remember that that is that has been the triumph of the church through the ages un you know unknown saints who 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 follow Jesus and held fast to the gospel discipled their families in the faith faithful to their to their church and died and went to be with the Lord and be resurrected from the dead. That is the story of the church. Now, for our tradition, for for the Reformed Presbyterian tradition, I do think it is good for us to say, okay, can we be stretched a little bit here? Could we pray for awakening? Could we, you know, could we labor for these types of things? Not pinning our hopes on the United Kingdom is going to be transformed if we could just have a revival. I'm not saying that, but to the notion of uh, that's what's been happening in my heart over the past week is it, it has stretched me, I think, in healthy ways. Yeah, I think it's important for, you know, Presbyterians, uh, you know, uh, an amen is sometimes not a silent amen, but a taking of notes. Um, <laughs> you know, we're all, all very hidden and all very uh, yes. uh, uh, buttoned down. But there is, uh, you know, I, I hear this word cessationism. Yeah. And it, it's one of those words that I'm not altogether happy with. Yeah, It does not mean that the supernatural work of God has ceased. Right. You know, certainly right. revelatory gifts. Yeah, the Bible course. is complete, absolutely. Believe all that. <clears throat> but, you know, the, the conversion of a sinner is a supernatural act of God. The, the conviction and destruction of an ego is a supernatural work of God. Correct. So Correct. we've and, and not I, got to be hyper-cessationists. Yeah, and I just think Presbyterians, you know, we all, <laughs> every tradition has its strengths and weaknesses, and I, I think our strength is... Uh, is is our is our theology is our you know I I do think you know I'm 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 an ordained PCA minister for a reason, but I think what we need to be careful with is that we, we asking you know 
there there can there can come a point where we think we have it all figured out. We've got an inscrutable God, um, neatly uh, tidy in our in our systematic theology, which I believe in our systematic theology. I'll I'll go to my grave believing in our systematic theology, but. I do think it's been it's been at least in my life, and I think in the life of our congregation here locally, it has stretched us in in healthy ways, which is yeah. which has been good. Yeah, and, and I mean, we should rejoice. We shouldn't say, "Oh man, I wish this had happened in Covenant College." You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Wh- why why did he visit a bunch of Arminian Wesleyans? Right, you know, right, right. Uh, mm-hmm. but look, isn't there a, a beautiful unity there? That yeah, they are of a different theological tradition, but in the main things, we are. Absolutely, one with them. And you think of Wesley and Whitfield, they were really different. So have you experienced a degree of unity in this Asbury thing? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Again, we lock arms with Asbury. I am am dear friends with with administrators over there. I'm friends with the the guy who spoke at the chapel service. we have we, again. We have students who come from Asbury. We, you know, we we are. There's a lot of unity there, because you know, I tell people. I tell people all the time. Um, I believe. I believe everything they believe about salvation. Um, with one added step of I just. I just think that that, that faith that saved me came from God. And and so I'm with you everywhere, except I just I I believe that that I didn't self-produce that faith. I I believe regeneration preceded my faith. And um I, I just we're 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 friends. We really are. Yeah, we, we really you, are. you know, it's a long time since I met what I call a card carrying Arminian. Yeah. That is a guy or a girl who says, I am an Arminian. Because okay, when you sit down and speak with these good folk. Yeah. At the end of the day, did you save yourself? Huh, Meganoita, absolutely not. Right, right, they, right, you know, right, right, They would right. be shocked. So, yes. you know. They, yeah, nobody, nobody prays like an Arminian. Yeah, uh, yeah, they, yeah. You know, they're begging God to do something. But, they, but they're good folks. I, I appreciate that. And I've learned a lot. I mean, listen. You know, it, it, the the Presbyterian, I don't know, the free church is, is a little more buttoned up than the PCA, but <laughs> but you know, we could learn I, I their holiness stuff. You know, there have been times where I've I've had to stand before our congregation and say, Hey, um, let us remember that um that God's kindness leads us to repentance, that we were saved for good works. <laughs> I mean, I their their emphasis on holiness is is, is to me it's beautiful. Um, and and I've learned a lot from from them in that. Great. Okay, we're coming into land now, Robert. Just just to end up, I, I want to just I know you don't like talking about yourself, but I just want yep. to tell me a little bit about your new ministry, just yeah. um Christ for Kentucky. Yep. I've read that it's public square stuff. Yeah. Give me some just give me some bullet points of the issues that you're going to be engaging with in the next three to four to six months. Yeah. So, so the, the kind of the idea behind the, the organization um, is easily unpacked with our mission, which is public theology and strategy for the common good of the commonwealth. And, and essentially what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring together three things that I, I have argued are, are, are necessary for true, uh, change to happen. We we want God's kingdom to come and His will to be done in Kentucky as it is in heaven. 
Okay, what does that look like on a practical level? I think you have to marry robust public theology, meaning Christian thought in the public square, the application of our theology to this cultural moment, with strategic implementation. A lot of times Christian thought falls because it's not, it has no teeth. It just kind of remains in the ether and tickling the ears of kind of idea consumers. We're trying to bring together not just public theology, but strategic implementation of that theology. I don't want to just record a podcast on what is, you know, what does the pro-life cause look like in Kentucky? I want to actually network with leaders of our state to, to actually implement these types of things. And then the third element I think that is that is crucial is a localized focus. So we are unapologetically focused on the state of Kentucky and the Commonwealth. And so um, we we are, you know, we're trying to get away from national platforms, certainly global platforms. Um, and we are just saying the Lord has entrusted to our care this little nook of creation that we're trying to focus on. And so that's kind of what we're in the business to. As far as initiatives, um, you know, there's some exciting things that we're that we're talking about. Some of them I can't talk about. Some of them I can, because um, we're in the early phases of this. Uh, like one one I think exciting one that I feel a little bit of freedom to talk about is um, there. It is it is possible now that on a legal side, and there's there's legal stuff over in the states that you all um, that that maybe your listeners wouldn't be familiar with. But but there has been some research done on the legal side and on the technology side that that a think tank out of uh, D.C., a conservative think tank out of Washington, D.C., has said, we really think that it's possible to make online pornography inaccessible to minors on a state level. We can't do it on a federal level, but we could do it on a state level. And they and and we are dreaming about Kentucky kind of being a test case for this to to do robust age verification for online pornography to to make it so that minors in the state of Kentucky cannot access online pornography. When you talk about what that would do to a society uh, to not have the next generation discipled by obscenity, um, that that changes things. So things like that, but also just, you know, it's not just cultural issues. I mean, we are, we are not, we're really trying to guard against this notion of we're, we're, we're just a philanthropy a Christian philanthropy. We are we are fervently evangelistic. We're creating evangelistic gatherings throughout our state. Um, I'm developing um, an evangelist evangelism curriculum um, that uh, that I think relates well with Kentucky and where we find ourselves. And so we're going to be hosting evangelistic um, events. We're equipping churches to do evangelism well in our state. So we're not we're not. We're not allowing anybody to say, oh, we're just trying to do public work and we're forgetting the main uh, emphasis of the church, which is sinners reconciled to God. We're trying to hold that tension of both. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of exciting things that have kind of come my way and and uh, the Lord the Lord seems to be blessing it. Well, I mean, that's great to hear all of that. For our, you know, listeners' perspective, the population of Kentucky is 4.5 million. They're about right. The, right. <laughs> excuse me, the population of Scotland is 5.5 million. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's not a lot of difference. So I, I love what you're doing there. It's localized and focused. Yeah. I often say the Free Church of Scotland, you know, it's a big world out there, but our main focus is Scotland. England's yes. a great place. 
Ireland's yep. a great place. Wales is a great place. But our calling, with the exception of our dear mutual friend, I, I was Andy say, Longley, don't you, don't you London, dare, don't you dare come against my boy Andy. I, you know, but but you know, Andy's doing a great job there in London, and London is is one of those global cities, isn't it? We often say London isn't England, the same as yeah. New York isn't the U.S. It's, sure, Andy's doing a great work there in, in in London, but by and large, we are focused on 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 Scotland. And it's, well, and to your point, what I encourage, so I had a. Uh, I, some folks in Texas caught wind of what's going on and and uh, a guy who has, you know, a lot of wealth that could pull something like this off wanted to meet with me. And he said, I want to reproduce this in Texas. I want a Texas, you know, Christ for Texas. And I said, you know what? He lives in the Dallas area. I said, it doesn't work that way. If you want to do this, it would have to be it would have to be focused on Dallas. Sure. Yes. That, that, yeah. that is. So 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 to your point where God has Andy, he needs to be thinking probably not just London, because even London is too big, but he probably needs to be focusing in on. I, I'm not familiar with the city enough, but that area, you know, I'm sure it's divided up in ways. But I do think Scotland is a manageable, it's much like it's much like I feel with Kentucky. It's a manageable sphere of God's created order that we could really say if we just say you know what we're going to let Jesus save the world <laughs> we're going to let Jesus save the united kingdom yeah god has entrusted scotland to us and we are going to go after that with everything we have yeah i mean i think a question that we're asking just now is quite a basic question but what is the free church of scotland and and one of the things i'm trying to get is our our national identity but listen robert our time has gone Yes, Folks, yes. Can I encourage you? To, I mean, we all live a long way from Kentucky, but um, Robert's got a great podcast. It's called Every Square Inch. He, he's got a great one he's done recently on mistakes he's made in ministry. And he's got, he, he, he's very candid. He's five mistakes he made, and it's really interesting. Um, Christ, the, the every square inch is what the podcast is called. Correct, and that's just yep. kind of our podcast ministry of of Christ for Kentucky. I um, mean, that's Kyperian, you know, every square yep. inch you know, yep. from his Abraham lectures Kyper. there. For instance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so our website is uh, Christ for F O R K Y dot org. Um, every square inch is a podcast. I'm not active on social media except for Twitter, and there on Twitter, it's Robert. C four K Y not F O R the number four C the number four K Y Robert C four K Y I'm on Twitter and that's basically where you're going to find all of my content. Robert, thank you for being our guest today. We enjoyed it. We pray for the great Commonwealth of Kentucky and the Bluegrass State. We pray for its Commonwealth. We we do pray for its yes. its welfare. Thank you for joining us today. And, and we're praying and we're praying for you all. And and I, I I mean this. I have a I have a I have a love for the free church. And I will I will I will come visit soon. Well, listeners, thank you very much for joining us today. Please share the podcast. Tell other folk about it. We are thrilled that the numbers of listeners are going up month by month. The second series, we've had some really great guests. And thank you for sticking with us. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.